You're listening to the Viral Volley Podcast Podcast. Now here's your host, Rob, on the mic. Hey, good day, everyone. I'm Rob Esperon on screen with me today. Got a very special guest, good friend, Brad Keller, USC second year head coach. And gosh, you always have to wonder about that first year because he had to deal with so much unprecedented stuff going on in the world. But Brad, thank you for coming on today. Awesome to uh, be here. I miss you, man. I miss you. You have no idea the, uh, the, the level that you keep bringing enthusiasm and how you promote the game is, is second to none. So I haven't talked to you probably, what, two years now? I know, right? I think I, I texted you right when you got the job. <laughs> yeah, and that was it. You know, then it was like we're just all in the weeds and the world shut down and here we go. And now we're back up and the whole world's different. So, and of course, COVID only are. magnified your good looks. I'm telling you. <laughs> uh, the good looks are gone. It's, it's, it's over. <laughs> it's been great. It's been a great run. Prussia can have it because I keep being told that he's the best looking guy on planet Earth. So he can have it, take it. <laughs> so, well, Hey, you know, it's actually a great way to start because, you know, obviously not seeing you in, in two years, but I wanted to ask about your hiring in March of 2020 at the start of the pandemic. Um, yeah. You know, you're coming to a highly reputable program, high expectations, and having to navigate this unique time in history. And, and particularly in your case, recruiting had to be substantially limited. And with this COVID year that's been added on to everyone, people showed up in the portal. It was going bonkers. Now, how did you approach the formation of your current team? Uh, it's been a hell of a year and a half. I'll tell you that much. And I'm not the only one, right? I mean, I think that it's a little unique because I, I got the job and then I, I don't know, 10, 12, whatever days, then COVID hit. So I got to meet my team like once, you know, twice. And then it was all based off zoom. And during a time that we, we didn't know, I mean, we had no idea about the disease. People are, are passing away left and right. It was a very scary time. It still is. And, you know, political unrest, you know, yeah. uh, BLM movement. I mean, yeah, there's so many things that were going on during that time. And, uh, and shoot, I had, to, I had to move. I had to move and back up with my parents, like back it was like in high school. So I was living with my mom and dad because my brother, who was an emergency medical doctor, needed my place. And again, he didn't know that much about the disease or, or what was going on. So it was a really unusual time for me and for a lot of people. Um, Recruiting during the pandemic is very different. I mean, it's you're you're on Zoom and there's no visits and you're trying to create relationships and figure out about kids. And, you know, you can always get a hold of them because they're not doing anything either. So it was a very different time than it is right now. The transfer portal is still an enigma to, I think, a lot. Um, and so we did go in and we got four players in the transfer portals. We had seven new players this year. And uh, that was quite, uh, it's, it's awesome, but it's also quite a, a task because you bring in, you know, people from Florida and from uh, Pepperdine and Long Beach State, and, and then you bring in uh, three freshmen. And so you have a whole new team that you're trying to bring together, but you never actually have time to train minus the August 9th to whatever it was, that little three or four week stint of trying to like cram everything in. Mm -hmm. we've been so it's been a lot you know there's a lot of navigation that goes in that and um i can i can tell stories for days about how difficult it's been but also you know you learn a lot from these experiences you learn an awful lot about these experiences so yeah it was a lot it was a lot man it still is <laughs> but it's uh you know we're starting to come out of it 
the entire country and, and world. And so it's going to get back to a little bit more normal. It still isn't there. I don't think but it's getting there. So, yep. We've always been known to, you had an eye for finding talent. And I know this particularly being with you on the men's side. Um, how has that translated across the women's game being that you've had to also deal with this? And obviously there's the, the, the beauty of social media and video being able to go through YouTube and all that. But I mean, there's just a sense you had an instinct. I feel like whenever I saw you on trips or you talked about people, you had a certain instinct of getting the feel for these athletes. How has that translated on the women's side? That's a, that's a great question. Uh, it's kids are kids, athletes are athletes. You have certain eyes or wants, you know, that you, you look for in players, even to how they walk and how they, they act. And, you know, personalities are huge for me. Um, I think they are for a lot of coaches. I mean, it's not anything new. Uh, and then you just figure out ways to get to know a lot of people around them and who they are and their families and to see if that's a fit. And, Obviously, I, I have, uh, you know, I've been a part of some really great programs and some great uh, head coaches, that, you know, like with, with uh, on the men's side and women's side and good brands. So it's easy to get in the mix with a lot of these kids because we, you know, my, my current school has a lot of things that a kid probably wants or desires, you know, for, <laughs> for, for, for school. And so um, you get opportunities to talk to these kids and really get to know them and we go in depth with that stuff. And you're just trying to find the right fit and there's no magic potion to that. It's a lot of it is gut feel. And we'll, you know, we find out as we, we move along, but as far as, you know, it wasn't difficult for the 20. So the 22 class is coming in next year. I got to know the 22 class because I was with Mike Seeley at UCLA. I got to know that class. So actually recruiting the 22s wasn't as difficult as what I thought it was going to be because I knew a lot of those kids. Um, right. So it wasn't as difficult. I never really got to know the 23. So that was more of like a shotgun effect when June 15th occurred. Then it was like, hi, I'm Brad. Nice to finally meet you. So <laughs> it was a different experience for the 23s as it was for the 22s. And then the 24s is going to be even different because I actually know a lot of these kids and I know a lot of their parents. And I know there's a lot of connection with the 24. So we'll see how kind of the recruiting process goes as, as June 15th approaches for the, the next class. Yeah. Um, I mean, not a lot of difference, you know, I, I think, mm -hmm. I don't know, you, you know what you like and then you go see if those are fits and then you try to put together a puzzle and the puzzle is not just one year, it's multiple years. And this right. looks good here. We got this kid. There's certain things you have to go get. And then after that, you're just trying to find how, how is it going to, how is it going to be so much fun in your gym? How is it going to be so much, you put a product on the floor. It's going to mm -hmm. be so great to watch. And so many people want to be around it, including yourself. That's what you're right. kind of going for, because at the end of the day is as intense or crazy as we all are, this is still a game and it's supposed to be fun. It's a beautiful game. So yeah. we got to do what we can yep. to create that. Yep. Yeah, something caught my ear, but I just so for our listeners and viewers, you said that you and Seeley were together for this 2022 yeah. class. What was the connection there? Because uh, Mike Seeley, UCLA, obviously yeah. rivals, but friends. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sprawl and Seeley are two of my closest friends, um, two of my biggest mentors. I have a lot of mentors, but they've been really, really good and helped me along the way. Mike and I still, we, we golf all the time. We, we talk, all, we we're really, really tight. Um, and, you know, Sprague came and spent the night last week here, you know, we just caught up. Um, so it's not really a rivalry at all. I mean, it is, I guess, but it's not, you know, we, we know each other right. quite well. And, um, 
but I, I worked with Spraw, I think, what, from 2012 to 2018. And then 2019, I was with uh, Sealy, And then that's when I, I got the job at USC the next uh, February, so 2020, February 2020. Is that right? I don't know. Yep. Something well, the like official that. hire day was March 2020 was the announcement. So that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, it was, yeah. And then and then the world shut down. But uh, but no. So Seal and I worked together and we worked really, really well together. Um, uh, I think he's a phenomenal coach, phenomenal human. And he, he's doing great things at UCLA right now. I mean, clearly that team is, is really, really good. So I'm stoked for him. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's great segue into current events right now. Mm -hmm. uh, let's talk about your USC team. Okay. Currently fourth in, actually, fourth in conference and service aces, <clears throat> fifth in digs, fifth in solo blocks, and uh, your senior setter, Raquel Lazaro, fifth in the Pac-12 for service aces. And you're in the log jam of third place teams currently. Uh, six and four, but I mean, I'm looking at the top seven right now. That could have gone either way. There's UCLA who's crushing it, Washington's crushing it, and the rest is kind of a toss-up. Yes. So um, you finish this top half of your season, 10 and nine overall, six mm -hmm. and four in the Pac-12. What are your thoughts on your team's results so far? Oh, we want to win more games, right? I mean, come on. I mean, you don't <laughs> want to be 10 and nine. You don't want to be six and four. You want to be like, you know. 18 and one or whatever it is you want to be in those spots and we had a slow start we had a lot of learning to do and I think this team is getting better I'm, I'm excited about the progression of us um, this team and I think every coach says these things but like team comes in every single day they work extremely hard they're totally into it they ask and they do everything that we as a staff have been trying to get them to do and it, those things take time to develop. It doesn't, you don't just say, hey, I, I want to be good at passing to my right. And then you just get to do it and you're great at it. It's going to take a, a great deal of time and mindfulness and effort. And so we're on that path. Um, but yeah, you want to win more games than we, than we have. But, you know, we're there. I mean, we're, we're in the mix. You know, we've had opportunities. Um, I think that this conference is extremely deep and there's not just clear cut. I do think Washington and UCLA right now look better than the rest, you know, at this very moment in time, I think they're pretty physical and they've got three pins. And, you know, I think there's a lot of, uh, I think they have more balance, I think, than some of the other teams do and clearly well coached, but I mean, the PAC 12 is something else. It is. I mean, every team is, is, is good. You know, I mean, Arizona state was at the bottom. Now they're on a three game win streak and they're winning in five and they're beating people up and they almost beat us, you know, in five too. I mean, that could have been four in a row for them. So, I mean, it's great coaches, great programs, a lot of good players in this conference. It's going to be really exciting to see how the, the second half um, occurs. Yeah. Well, there are definitely some upsets in that first half. That's why I'm like, gosh, this is, this is me so unpredictable come the, yeah. the end. And, and there's a question I have for you. So I'm going to not go there quite yet, but let's okay. talk about, <laughs> um, you got your graduate outside hitter, Brooke Botkin has been one yeah. of your primary cannons so far, 279 kills on the season at 3.67 kills per set. Can you comment on her performance and leadership so far this season for the women of Troy? Well, I mean, I've, I've said this a lot. Brooke, Brooke is really, really important to this program. And uh, she had every opportunity to leave and she wanted to come back. She came in better shape than she was before. And she's just, she, she bleeds these colors and she's totally into this. And I, I and, and she came here 
And I'm now her third coach. So it's not gone any way that she's wanted it to go, you know, and she'll, right. she'll talk about that, but she's in a really great place. You know, she wants to leave a great legacy here. Um, she's all in, she's done a great, she, she's the one that shows up and she's, she shows by example quite a bit. And, um, you know, she does, she takes a lot of swings, right? She's taken a lot of swings and a lot of not great situations. And she's had to really expand her game. She was limited in what she did before. And she's really kind of taken on herself to really expand her game, her shot selection, improve her blocking. Um, she'll tell you that she was tragic at blocking. She's gotten a lot better at blocking, <laughs> better at passing. She's become a good server, you know, like she's an all around type of volleyball player and she's, and we need it. We, we need her to be good. So, right. Well, now what about other athletes performances so far at this midpoint that have caught your eye or have been commendable? Um, because you do have some new faces, actually quite a few new faces and uh, new insertions as well. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, I mean, if you look at our roster, we've had so many people play. So there, at any given time, it just depends on who's hitting on all cylinders and, and, and doing a great job. We have a couple players this week that uh, have not been in the starting lineup. They're playing really, really well practice wise. And so it's, it's, it's awesome. So that they may get an opportunity here coming up and um I think Tyra Ariel is a name that a lot of people want to talk about. You know, she was, uh, she's a freshman and she's a high flyer. She's mm -hmm. uh, reminds me a little bit of like Dane and Jima, right? Just fly, or Merrick McHenry that just, they get off the ground really fast. They're in the air quite a bit, long time. And um, they've got great arms <clears throat> and um, she has a feel for the game right out of the gates, which is kind of nice. And right. uh, you know, she wasn't able to play because she was coming off of an injury that she had in high club or high school and, uh, it was a long, um, it was a long wait and a lot of work to get her uh, back to being cleared. And so I think she was cleared the day of UCLA and she played only a couple points, but then she came and, and started against, uh, or didn't start, but came in against Cal and has been really great since. So I'm looking forward to what she's going to do for the next couple of years. I think she's going to be a really, really good volleyball player and a great kid. I don't have a bad kid on my team. They're great kids. Yeah. And then, um, and then uh, it's a it's a fun little battle between Raquel and and Mia. I have two really good setters, and they're very very different. I think Mia is doing some pretty incredible things. She has a great jump serve. She has a great feel for the game. She comes from that pedigree. She understand. I mean, she under she plays like Josh did, you know, and that's a really positive thing. And so she really has an understand. She's very strong with her hands. She can make sets that most people can't. I think Oregon. She had a one handed set that was pretty ridiculous you know she can do things that a lot of setters cannot do right um, and she's just mature for her age you know she just brings a lot of intangibles that a lot of players freshman year don't have and then Raquel is just a ball of energy quick twitch I mean digs the volleyball faster tempo with her sets um, really shows a passion for the game I think it comes from her background and where she's from and just the joy. I mean, I think a lot of people really love watching her play because she makes you feel when she plays, you know, she's got mm -hmm. that just pure passion for the game. So both of those are, you know, in a battle and I'm sure they don't like it, but they're both good <laughs> and they both bring different things to the table. So, um, and she's, I think our leading server right now. She's, she's got to be our best server right now. Yeah. Raquel point. is according yeah, to the stats. <laughs> yeah. She's, She's doing a lot of really, really good things as well. And then, um, you know, there's a lot, all of them are doing some great things. I think Amelia Vesca is starting to come into her own a little bit. You know, I think she, 
you know, she was started off okay. And then she got hurt and she was out for a while and uh, not a while for like two weeks or a week and a half, but she never really got, I mean, it took her a while to get back. And I think she's starting to now get her rhythm and she's getting more confident and she looks a lot fresh or more fresh or fresher. And she's, you know, I, I think she's going to be a really good player for us down the road as well. So, yeah, there's well, actually a, another great uh, segue here because uh, this last weekend, you're coming off a, a 500 weekend, one on one Oregon State, the victory with number 16 with a uh, thriller five set <laughs> loss. But brutal. Amelia Vesca, you know, you yeah. mentioned she's coming, finding her, her rhythm here and you have like this rising of a second gun on your squad because she had yep. 11 kills hit 346 against Oregon state 17 kills hit 382 against Oregon. Um, what are your thoughts on this last weekend's results and what's beginning to pan out here after this yeah. first half? God, this last weekend was brutal. Wasn't it Rob for us? <laughs> Man, God, no, I, uh, you know, Oregon state is a super dangerous team. They play a style of really scrappy ball. It's they make chaos look beautiful. And that's a, that's a compliment. I mean, that's, that's hard to do that. And both Oregon and Oregon state actually do that. They, they manage their swings and they make you play ball. They, they force you into like uncomfortable scenarios and they're really, really good at it. So we, uh, we were able to get off to a fast start against Oregon state and they were starting to inch claw their way back in. And we're able just to like, get on them at the end. And I think that's mm -hmm. a home court advantage. I think that's home cooking a little bit. I think all that plays into effect. Uh, Mimi, we call her Mimi, but Amelia, I thought, you know, did a really nice job and really got us out a couple of some of those jams. Mm -hmm. And so did Botkin and, um, and Kaylin O's. And then we came into Oregon and we played like we should be playing. Like we're getting, we're getting that, that was really inspiring for us. Like the volleyball that we we're playing and the communication mm -hmm. and, the level of, of execution. It was a lot of fun and kudos to, to Matt and Oregon. They made an adjustment. They went to a five one and they, they spun it a little bit. They brought more ball control out on the court. Uh, they flipped a couple things and, um, and we just started breaking down on our side a little bit. We weren't passing as well. We weren't playing as crisp. And then we kind of dug ourselves a hole and it took two sets to get out of it. And sometimes that happens in, in the game where, you get in a little bit yeah. of a funk and it, it, you don't just immediately respond or get back. You have to problem solve and figure it out. So that was a bummer because it wasn't great volleyball on our side. Uh, I wasn't really paying attention to their side at that point. I was trying to figure out, you know, what do we need to do for us. But then in the fifth set, it's always that, you know, you, cost, you, toss, you toss a coin at that point, right? I mean, anyone yeah. can win. And I thought we responded. We were down 14-12, tied it at 14 all, you know, and then we lost and that sucks. And it was deflating because I think that would have been our fifth game in a row that we would have won or something like that. And it just against a ranked opponent like that, we lost twice to them last spring in five. So that was, you know, able to try to, to, to get that. Um, so those things were, were really a bummer. Like the locker room was deflated and it was, but it was a different feel. It was a, and I don't know how to describe it. It was a good feeling because, I think they saw it that, Hey, we can play like this. We can do this. Yeah. And uh, I think, you know, I'm hoping that it's going to be inspiring for us. You know, who knows kids are kids, right? Who knows? Yeah. We'll find out week <laughs> by week, but you know, it was a different feel in there. I know everyone was bummed. I know Oregon stoked. I thought they did great. I mean, none of did an amazing job, you know, coming back and carrying that team for a while and 
thought they did a great job coaching wise. So it was a bummer, but I think it's still a learning curve. It's still a great situation. And now we've got two new opportunities this week. So, yep. Well, that actually goes into the next question I had for you is, you know, the positive is you're running with a really good team, but you also come in and host number eight Washington on Friday, and then number 22 Washington state on Sunday. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on this weekend's matchups? Uh, it's the hardest. Uh, I, I think Washington, Washington, Washington state is the two toughest teams to play against in our conference because it's the combination of both of them. Both are have elite coaching. They have elite players that can just take over games there's a, there's a style that they're very distinct in different styles. There's a scrappiness and a grittiness and a fly around the court mentality that um, Washington state has, like I call it winning the ugly point. They win the ugly point. And I think that that's, there's a, there's an art to that. It's really, I mean, that's really cool volleyball. And then I think that Washington has so specific with their systems and how they play the game and how they hit high flat off the block and how they're, throw the ball down and how they block and play defense and trans. It's very specific. Um, and they're just great at it. And so they're going to hit you with that over and over and over again. And you got to beat them because they're always going to be good at what they do. And so you have two very, very distinct teams and very, very good teams coming in here. And, and we beat, and here's the other thing. I think we caught Washington state off guard up there and that's not going to happen. That team is going to come in on Sunday and they're, you better believe they're going to be all for revenge against the us. And, and we know that. So. Well, it's a crunch time at mid season already, which is a great scenario to have. <laughs> yeah. It's well, stressful, we, but it's fun. It's yeah, fun. Lack of sleep, right? Sleep's yeah, overrated. Sleep. That's right. We don't need to sleep. I bet you talk to all these coaches they are all probably in a similar boat. It's just, it's, it's, it's go time for all of us. Yeah. Well, without a doubt, the Pac-12 is one of the toughest conferences to compete in year in and year out. But uh, you got <coughs> six teams in the top 25 with one more team receiving votes just outside of the 25. Upsets can and have happened so far in the first yep. half. What's your assessment of play in the Pac-12 from a coach's standpoint? Well, I'm mixed on it. Uh, I do think that because you've had a lot of seniors returning, a lot of grad transfers, like a lot of older players that have been playing the game for a long time, it is a higher level in some, certain, certain areas. And then I also think it's just not. So I think the level of play is super high and super low right now. And what I mean by that is it's not clean all the time. I would expect it to be more clean with the amount of older players in the, in the conference. Hmm. Interesting. So I expect better touches and situational play and understanding the game um, from every team, every single team. But I do think that the dynamic play or the wow play or the, the physicality or the ability to make the great shots and the excitement of the game is way up this year yeah. because you have players that can take over and do some pretty phenomenal things. So I do think it's like kind of a mixed bag with all of that. And I think you're going to see a bit, I think you're going to see a lot. So we're halfway through our conference. You're going to see now who's improving and who's not and like fatigue, where is that set in? That's another thing that no one's really talking about, but we played spring. You give them the small break. They come back for maybe summer school and lifting and open gyms. And then you go right into our season. So it's, 
usually you have your fall season, you have a small break, you come back for spring season, which is where you train and learn how to play the game and learn your systems and all those. I mean, no one in my gym has learned the systems that I have brought to the table. We haven't had a training block in, in all honesty. So I can't wait for this spring to actually get to do that. That's gonna be really, really fun. But like no one really had that. And so you're, you're just, you're, you're rolling the dice and getting your team out there and you're making sure they're as healthy as possible. And you're working on small things here and there. And you're, you're just trying to build off of whatever you can, but fatigue is a big deal. I think yeah. this is in my, in my view. So that's another thing. Shoot. I'm tired. So. <laughs> well, you know, one of the things I didn't consider on at least in the PAC 12 is you have so many high volleyball IQs as coaches strategizing and playing that chess match, but Gosh, it's magnified just seeing the competition so far this year. Is that an adequate assessment of what we're seeing here? Yeah, there's all the coaches in the Pac-12 are really, really good, like really good. Um, and they're different. There's different thought processes and what they look for, how they play, how they make adjustments. And then last year was an interesting way of showing it because we actually, because of COVID, you went to like, we like Oregon came to us and played us twice, like back to back in our place because you're trying to cut down on everything, but it showed you like when night one versus night two, what changes were being made or what was different. Like if you won, yeah. you make any changes. If you lost, what changes do you make? And then I think because of that, you are now seeing more of that this year, or at least come like in, in game decisions or, or changes or, you know, I, I, there's a lot of that going on. It's pretty impressive. Um, I haven't watched the rest of the country. I'm assuming it's the same across the country, but we're just talking about the pack right now. Yeah. So. Well, going to put you uh, under the gun here, but oh, yeah. most, right. yeah. <laughs> there'll right. most likely be multiple teams out of the pack 12 to receive berths in the NCAA tournament. Mm -hmm. What teams would be in the NCAA tournament if berths were awarded today? Right now, like who deserves Yep. Uh, I think it's, out of the Pac-12, out of the Pac-12, Washington, Washington State, um, and UCLA are the top three teams right now, and those are teams that will go deep into the tournament or, or have the ability to go deep into the tournament. Um, Oregon should be in that mix. Stanford should be in that mix. Um, trying to think, what else? I didn't get a great gauge on the other teams, so I'll. I'll We'll see how it goes. I think there's some teams that are lower that can move up. Of course, I want to put us in there. You know, that's biased, mm -hmm. but I think that we have the capability to do it. So, but we're on yeah. the bubble. You know, clearly we're on the bubble, but I, I, I think that we can be. You know, we're physical enough to do that. We just got to keep fine tuning some stuff. Um, but then if you you look at it, you have so many teams that are are doing like Arizona State is doing some great things. Arizona is doing some great Colorado. Like you have teams that are doing some really spectacular things um and so you have to be careful because those are not only they they have the it's all about arms you have to have arms on the pins and these teams have arms on the pins and they're they are increasing and getting better at a rapid rate so these teams can obviously be considered into the uh the ncaa tournament i i mean i i think there's like nine teams that I mean, I know that's not how it goes, but nine teams can be in the NCAA <laughs> tournament and do ridiculously well in the, in, yeah. in the NCAA tournament, like deep runs and, and go and, and do some pretty spectacular things. Getting hot at the right time, as always, is the uh, thing. That's right. That's right. <laughs> no doubt. So, 
Well, hey, uh, Brad Keller, USC head coach, uh, best of luck this weekend. I so appreciate you, your friendship and coming on and really just promoting the game of uh, NCAA women's volleyball. I'm looking forward to, would have been in LA this weekend, but I've got my own matches to work. So. Yeah, you got your stuff to do, but always been a men's coach. Love you guys. I miss you guys a ton. So I'll be able to come around during spring this time because no COVID hopefully and come support and watch and uh, Rob, keep doing what you're doing. It's, it's, you do great things for volleyball and we need you. So it's, it's awesome. It was great to see you. I love you, man. Yeah. Hey, I love you too, but Hey, you got to go on those PAC 12 men's broadcasts uh, with yeah. Ann Marie Anderson, because I'm pretty sure the analytics, they blow up when you show up on those feeds. <laughs> well, it, first of all, Emory needs to uh, have to deal with me and there's only so much of me that you can handle. So, um, so she wants it. Yep. I'll be around to do that. Yep. I think that's fun. It's fun doing that stuff. And then uh, she was actually in her gym yesterday because she's, she's, uh, she's uh, doing her game on Friday uh, versus Washington. So, but all you guys do such a great job. So, well, I definitely want to plug your matches will be on the PAC 12 network on awesome. Friday and Sunday, I guess, officially Anne-Marie Anderson, also known as Maleficent. Yep. Don't know if you caught her costume this last week, but I did. I did. Spot on. <laughs> Yep, that so it was pretty good. And she wanted to be in character longer, and she realized she had to get serious there for a second. That podcast, so. <laughs> well, Brad Keller, thank you again. And this weekend, best of luck against the Washington teams. And again, on Pac-12 Network, Friday and Sunday, be sure to tap in. Follow the Trojans on social media. Show that you're engaging with the programs and all the NCAA programs, as well as the Pac-12 uh, teams. So we can uh, get the word out there and get people following. Hey y'all, thanks for listening to today's episode of the Viral Volley Podcast Podcast. Be sure to follow Rob at Rob on the Mic on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or at RobOnTheMic.com. Check it next time.